That's no good. It is not any good. No one. And, and, and Laura, by the way, comments mm-hmm. on you all the time about how did he manage to produce all that stuff? And I said, <laughs> he goes to a lot of big weddings and everybody there is a professional. Which means he the, has wedding, co- the weddings are really the main the, networking. I know the <laughs> weddings are everything. You go, he goes to a wedding every week, and he, he that's how he survives. That's how he eats, and that's all how, how he collects all these interesting people to talk to because they're all professionals. So, are you ready yet? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Rotations is all about allowing interesting people the opportunity to share their opinions and ideas. Some listeners may find the opinions and content expressed disturbing and objectionable. Okay, everybody, this is Todd Fredericks at the Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine, and I am an associate professor of family medicine. And I just like saying that because if you understood how thick my tenure books are and how long I waited for that, um, tenure, tenure, if you're a working person and you really like to work, is a wonderful thing. I'm just going to say some people don't like tenure, and I understand why they say that. But for, for professors that like to work and like to be engaged with students, tenure just – makes it so much easier to do your job. And, and, and part of my job is the privilege of being able to speak with people like the guest we have today, who is coming back for the second segment, Nisarg Bakshi, OMS3, who is a co-founder of Rotations, who had this great idea about three years ago about starting a podcast. And I have been looking for other audiovisual ways of doing stuff. And we talked, and Nisarg went out, and he just did some incredibly good work, took paper, took a, a poster to Napcrag, and and I hope we'll generate another one at some point about his experiences. But um, right now we have Nasar Bakshi, who just left, by the way, between first and second segment. That's the magic of, of this podcast. You don't really know that this is all happening at the same time because it's going to be broken up. But Nasarg just got coffee. Are you better now, Nasarg? I feel better. Yeah. I, I got my like third cup of the morning. So, you know, we're getting there. <laughs> third cup? Oh, by the way, third I still cup. have your UC mug over here. You know, I was looking for that the other day um, because I, I don't remember why, but I was looking for like my college mug and I was like, I don't know where it is. It's and in, I it's in I my office. In, in your office. <laughs> yeah. And I actually got to give it to a student not too long ago to drink out of because they were from UC. I forget who it was, but they were happy about it. Awesome. Go yeah. Bearcats. <laughs> Go Bearcats. Okay. So, Nasarg, we're talking about the transition from second year to third year. And you were telling us the, the rotation you're on now is emergency medicine. And so, what I'm going to ask you now is about. Um, about preparing for uh, preparing for residency and, and, and good practices on rotations, because that's what third year is all about, is learning how to work with actual real live doctors in clinical situations and stuff. So how has clinical education changed your ideas on what you'll do for your residency? Because you wanted to be a pediatric oncologist when you were here. So what do you want to do yeah. now? Uh, that's, that's a great question. Um, so... So I, I'm pretty un, I was pretty undecided uh, kind of when I started third year because I, I was interested in peds, hemonc uh, initially, but then, you know, I had a great surgery rotation. I had a great IM rotation and I was kind of enamored with surgery for a little while. Um, you know, I did some electives, but after, after those electives, I, I didn't really think that, uh, I didn't really think that surgery was for me. You know, it's just, it didn't really quite fit my personality. So I'm kind Why, of like, cause you're nice. To- you know, I will say I was almost disappointed because every surgery attend not every surgery attending, almost every surgery attending I talked to was so nice. Um, you know, they're great teachers and I never really got like the, you know, the surgeons are, you know, XYZ kind of stereotype. I never really there are a couple, but you know, in the grand overall I thought they were all 
very willing to teach, very nice people. I think they're just intense people. I think they get that reputation sometimes because they, they have to be guarded. I don't think a lot of people understand what surgery is really about. Surgery is really about legally putting a knife into someone. And it's an intense business, and you really have to know your business. And I think for a lot of surgeons, if they're teaching and they're with kind of the common tribe, so to speak, they can let the, their hair down a little bit and be real people. I think when they get out in the public, sometimes it's hard not to be defensive or wondering, you know, what, yeah, defensive. I think that's what we really see in a lot of surgeons is that we, we misinterpret defensiveness because of the nature of their business with being mean or aloof. I think most of them are pretty cool, actually, once you get to talking to them. They're just real people. They just have really intense work. Keep going. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it is, it's an intense job. It's an intense lifestyle. Um, but so right now I'm leaning back towards peds. Definitely. I'm not so sure about the hemonk anymore because I found out that I really like procedures. Um, and I like kind of getting and getting my hands involved, you know, like whether that's suturing, you know, or whatever intubation, central, whatever, you know, that may be, I really do like that procedure side of it. Well, you want to be a critical care specialist then. I'm sorry. You want to be a critical care specialist. That's what I was just about to say. I love the ICU. Um, so I, I think that right? what I'm leaning towards now is pick you, uh, but We'll, we'll start with peds and then kind of go from there is what I'm thinking. No, see, so one thing that we need to remind people about about Nasarg is he never went to class. Uh, he, <laughs> I still don't. He, he, <laughs> I hope you go to class there. But, 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 but basically, you, you've always been a, a naturally intellectually curious person, so you didn't have to be in class, although we recorded all the lectures, so you watched all the lectures, obviously. You just did it at two times speed. But, UX, yep. <laughs> so you still lean towards medicine, but you want to do procedures. You don't want to be a surgeon necessarily, but you want to do procedures. And I, I, that immediately came to mind. You want to be an intensivist is what you want to be. I think so. And I like all of the diagnostics in the ICU. I always felt like you were kind of trying to – you're like you know sorting through all this lab data and like imaging and trying to figure out, you know, what's this person have? Or if you know what they have, like what's the best treatment approach, you know, given that they – you know, all these different comorbidities, you know, what can we, you know, what can we fix here? What can we can't, or what can we not? And it's just, it's a really interesting approach to medicine. And I really like kind of the combination of creativity, you know, and that medicine knowledge coming together. So that's what I'm leaning towards now. Uh, but I've been, I've been pretty, I've been known to change. So we'll, we'll see what happens by the end of third year. Yeah. There's this sort of crush thing that happens in medicine where every rotation you're on for some people becomes the one that they're really interested in, which is probably good because it helps you get through the rotation and do well. But it, it is very much like an infatuation mm-hmm. and you really have to study, you know, are you a, are you a surgeon or are you a medicine man? And if you're a medicine man, you will not like surgery. And if you're a surgeon, you will not be happy in medicine. But if you're a medicine person, there are some ways you can kind of do that weird transition, like GI people doing scopes, the manual. You know, I think a lot of gastroenterologists aren't so enamored with people complaining about their, their intestines all day long, but they really do like the idea of being able to do a scope and do a diagnostic endoscopy because it's manual and it's, it's tactile. I'm glad, you're, I'm glad you're figuring that out. That's good. That's a really good thing. It's, it's a good thing. And it's, it's a tough thing to do. And I, I mean, just talking to a lot of my friends who are going through the same process right now, choosing a specialty is probably the toughest thing. You know, I, I just, in the last episode, we talked about boards and that being kind of the most difficult time in med school. But I would say in, in the actual, what it comes to like most high stakes decision you're going to make is choosing a specialty, or at least it feels like it for people that are undecided. You know, some, some people wanted to do ortho since they were like 10 years old or they wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know, whatever since before med school and they've always known. And that's, that's great. That wasn't me. And that, that's not a lot of people. And so like trying to make that decision when you have, 
you know, uh, you know, four to six weeks in, let's say the ER, I have four weeks. I have to decide, is this going to be my, you know, the path I go with, you know, for the rest of my life. And I have to base that on this. So it's, it's tough. You know, you have to talk to people, you have to get, you have to milk the rotation for all the experience that you can in those four weeks to really understand what it's all about. Well, uh, so Nasarga, I would just tell you this too. The next five years, my prediction is, is going to be pretty tumultuous for the merger process. But I think after that, things will stabilize. There's always the fellowship too, right? So, mm-hmm. so you find my, my philosophy for advising students now has become, look, pick the specialty you think you primarily want to be in, then go do a fellowship for a year in something that you are also interested in, but not as much. So you have some yeah. qualifications because you need to be anticipating what is my life going to be like at 45 Am I tired of this? Right. Do I want to? Yeah, I, I think you'll 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 pick that up pretty easily. I think you'll do all right with that. What are the best ways a student can prepare for rotation? I mean, you know, you're going. Let's say you're ER. What's your rotation next month? Oh, I should. Oh, I'm actually on peds next month. So, so that's a good point. So you're going from something ER to is it inpatient, outpatient peds? What is it? it it's inpatient peds. Okay, yeah, so, you, so so different, right? So, what are you doing to prepare different. to go to that inpatient peds? Um. You know, that that's it really depends, I think, on the rotation itself. Um, I've already so I had outpatient peds at the beginning of the year. So I kind of have that foundation to begin with. So I'm kind of reading over just some of my notes from that uh, to prepare. But I feel like I feel like as a third year on the wards, you're not necessarily it's not expected that, you know, everything to begin with. I think the expectation is more about, you know, are you engaged? Are you somebody that's like actively, you know, like for example, just on IM, you know, you're sitting there a lot, you know, after you're done with notes, after you're done with rounds, it's like three o'clock, you kind of have an hour of downtime and then an ER consult comes in. You know, if the resident, you know, gets up and they're like, I'm going to go see this consult, you know, I think a good move would be to be like, Hey, like, can I come with you? Or can I, you know, maybe check them out first and then present to you? Or, like, basically, are you somebody that's like engaged and like clearly showing that you want to learn that you, that you're interested or, you know, there's students I've been on service with that are very clearly like, I don't care. You know, like they're, they're not in, as engaged. And like, if you tell them to do something, they will. But I think more important than that is showing that initiative and saying like, yeah, like I, I'm here to learn. Like I would love to get involved in any way that I can. If you do that a couple of times, I've always felt like, you know, people will reach out to you rather than you having to ask to begin with. So like, for example, on ER, like I, I've told, like, I love to suture. Like, I think that like sewing up those lacerations is a lot of fun. So the first few that came in, I, I kind of annoy the resident enough until they'd let me do it. But now that if anything happens, they're kind of, they'll be like, Hey, like, go ahead. Why don't you go ahead and suture it? Like, you know, and I don't have to, you know, bug them to do it now that they know that I'm interested. So I will say in kind of the preparing side of it, you don't have to know everything going in. Um, you kind of learn on the job and you get, as long as you're reading and, you know, maybe an hour a night of, you know, I saw this case of, we're talking about peds. I don't know. I saw this case of scarlet fever today. Let's, I'm just going to read up on that. You know, what's the, what's the treatment for it? What are the complications? Because that's the kind of stuff they'll probably ask you about the next day because mm-hmm. they know that you saw it. Right. So are you kind of keeping up with it? Um, and then if you don't know anything about something that you've seen already, then you kind of look like, uh, all right, like this guy's not really, like a pogue. not really paying attention. Like a what? Like a pogue. I don't know what a pogue is. <laughs> uh, it's a military term. It means person other than grunt. So among the infantry guys who refer themselves as grunts, they'll say that's a pogue. So someone who's just not in the game, right? Exactly. A someone pogue. who's not in the game. A yeah. Pogue. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you kind of, it's kind of expected that you'll be focusing on the things you're 
actually seeing when you're in clinical medicine and not thinking about the Bengals, which I know is hard for you. <laughs> well, you know, unfortunately, um, I, I don't I don't have high hopes for the Bengals this season, given the Browns just picked up Odell Beckham Jr. And I, I don't know, man, their offense is looking pretty good this year. I just like the Bengals because they're Tigers and I don't know what a Brown is, so I don't bother with them. <laughs> I don't think anyone really knows what a brown is. <laughs> well, they're a raven. <laughs> yeah. And then they became a brown again. I don't understand right. any of that stuff. I, that's why I preferentially move towards hockey. Hockey makes more sense to me. Plus, plus, that's, you know, I have ADHD, so I can't do four. I get a three. Three is better because that means it's less than four. I can't do anything I've for tried very to watch long. hockey. I can't keep up with the puck. <laughs> You're not supposed to. That's why they have a nice-looking girl at the end that actually hits the button when it goes in the net, right? Well, they do it oh. OU hockey. You just All you have to know is there's a bunch of people out there attempting to do something, and as soon as something happens, you'll get to, it'll, they'll get excited. <laughs> right? That's hockey. Gotcha. Yeah. I think you just like hockey because of the fights. <laughs> actually, there's not enough fighting. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say that. There's, um, there's not enough fighting. There's a... Uh, no, it's not that. I, I think there's – well, so I like to watch OU hockey a lot because we have a club team, So, which means that none of them will go to the NHL, right? They just play because they love it. They just love playing the game. So club hockey is really fun to watch because they're leaving it. They're, they're, you know, they're going to be out of college, and they're not going to play except they'll pick, do some adult pickup league, which means they play their guts out, and they are serious hockey players, and they do really well. And so it's just fun to see the passion of the play. Sometimes – Especially in professional football, it seems like it's become very corporatized and, you know, are people really passionate about what they're doing? I think that there are plenty of football players that are, but in hockey, it's visible. It's palpable. They are really yeah. passionate about that game, and hockey fans are very passionate about hockey. If you go to the Dog Pound, what's the, what's the equivalent of the Dog Pound in, uh, in Cincinnati? The Tiger Den? What do they call it? Um, uh, we don't really have one. That's the problem. I think there, there is one. I don't remember the name of it. It's not the, – the fan base is not quite as energized as, as the dog pound, unfortunately. They don't have enough Indians because they are the Bengal Tigers, right? So you, ha, you that's why right. that's why you, you guys are like rallying around, right? It's like the home <laughs> team. I wish. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think I'm, I'm not a very good Bengals fan either because I, I, I'm just not hopeful most of the time. I always kind of expect them to lose and then when they win, it's like, oh, that's well, It's good. not like they're the Lions. I mean, <laughs> they're not like the Detroit Lions. I mean, you know, they, 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 you know, the Bengal Tigers have done some good in the in, in the past, right? When was the last time the Lions went to the playoffs? It wasn't that long ago, actually, was it? The Lions? Uh, yeah, they did. I'm a, not sure. Well, who knows? Who cares? We're talking about the Bengals. Have a, the it's Bengals football. have won a playoff game the entire time that I've watched football, which is probably close to 15 years. So, well, it's a, but you really it's a tough team to be a fan of. Yeah, they have a great stadium, though. It's very pretty. Paul Brown is nice. It's yeah. nice. It's nice. Okay, so what are, what are the specific do's and don'ts of rotations? What do students need to know about this is what I definitely shouldn't do if I'm on a rotation and what I should do? Okay. Um, well, you know, I, I, we kind of talked about that with the previous question a little bit about, you know, just being engaged is big. You know, that that's really what it comes down to. I, I, I think that if you show that you're curious, if you show that you're interested the, it's just it's going to be a better experience for you and it's going to be a better experience for the people teaching you right like you know if we've all had the experience of trying to teach someone or tell someone something that's obvious that they don't care right or they're they're it's obvious that their mind is somewhere else or that they're thinking about something else that's not fun for anybody so that's really the big thing is just be engaged uh, take initiative right like a lot of times 
you know, a lot of the times our, our rotations are driven by the residents who are there much more and, and we just interact with them a lot more than the attending. So, and the residents are busy, right? Like they have a million things to do and they have, you know, half an hour to get them all done, right? So if you can make their lives easier, I found that you get to do more things because you are actually getting involved. So it's like, oh, hey, you know, while you're working on that, let me go check out that patient real quick. You know, you had to check on 30 minutes ago who we gave that treatment to. Like, let me just go see how he's doing. Or, you know, I can go check that ER consult. I can go see, you know, like trying to do, or I can go write the note for this guy. Like just doing something, you get the experience of it. And then that way you, they kind of see you doing it. They kind of see that you're interested. They kind of see that you're making their lives a little easier. So the next time something interesting happens, they'll find you. And, and you, it's kind of like a, kind of a team approach, um, I think is, is really the key there is, you know, just, I, I, that's how I think that you get the most out of it is, is really taking that initiative. Um, because not, it, it's not every time they're not going to come find you. I think that a lot of times students just expect that, okay, I'm going to sit here and the experience will happen. Like you have to really go seek it out sometimes. Mm. Yeah. So, and I would say a don't is, um, that's tough. Uh, Cause I, I don't, I haven't seen too much. It's like really bad. I would say I don't. I mean, especially when you're in the OR. I would say okay. Let me let me put it this way. It it's okay to admit that you don't know something. Um, it's it's okay to admit that like you don't know how to do something rather than trying to just like do it and then screwing it up. Um, like especially for me, like that whole first week of surgery, I didn't know OR protocol. I didn't know. I didn't know how to scrub it. I didn't know what you can and can't touch. I didn't know all that stuff, which is so big, right? Like. I made one mistake on my third day. I, I was like driving the camera for a lap, uh, laparoscopic cholecystic man. I touched my glasses cause they were falling off and I, I used my, my left hand to like push them back on my face. Right, right. You can't do that. Right. You br- I broke scrub. So, you know, I had to scrub out, which was really embarrassing for me. The surgeon didn't care. It happens all the time, but that's just some, that's like one of those minor things. Like it's not a big deal, but if, if I had known to ask about it or had known, you know, to like make sure it was okay, then it wouldn't have happened to begin with. And, it's just, it's little things like that. However, experiential learning is very powerful. You'll never do that again. Mm-hmm. I was no, doing, I will not. <laughs> I was doing a vasectomy one time, and um, I was using absorbable suture, and I clipped the suture, and a little end of the suture went into the wound, or was laying there, and so I blew on it. <laughs> and the surgeon the looked at me, he looked at me, he goes, did you just blow in that wound? And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I did. <laughs> And these are things I think that everybody does, right? Because just a natural response of, oh, it's a little piece of loose thread. I'll just blow on it. It'll go away. It went away. Uh, fortunately, I didn't have any post-operative wound infections. By the way, if you ever watch botched plastic surgery on, I think it's on Netflix. There's another shout out. But you'll see British doctors. And frequently, British surgeons do major surgery. They're not even wearing a mask. I know. It's really weird. Like they did all this Gross. weird research in seven in the 1970s where they operated in the nude and then they did also to see if there was any increase in post-operative wound infections. And you'll see them all the time. I saw Brits uh, – I've seen Brits operate overseas. They'll have the mask that below their nose because they don't like it over their nose or it fogs up their glasses so they keep it below their nose. I was watching a, a guy doing major breast surgery, no mask on at all. What? Yeah. Like get in your face though. Like that's. I know. I I know. But I'm just saying that there's. We have these sort of dogmatic things we do, and yet, practically speaking, I'm not sure how much. I don't know. It's interesting, but that. But you're right. You touch touch glasses. Now I'm sure if he'd have touched his face with his glove, he would have done the same thing. He'd have taken his gloves off and changed them out. But there's a lot of interesting things we do by habit 
that I haven't looked at that research lately, but it, I was just watching that with my wife and my wife and I were looking at that and I said, yeah, the Brits do that all the time. I watched them in Iraq do it that way. And they're like, yeah, I don't know how they do it, but I don't think people, I don't know. It's weird. But anyway, so you're not going to touch your glasses anymore. Nope. Okay, good. <laughs> or actually, you can't, who's going to touch your glasses? Now you learn. What'd you learn? If your glasses well, are falling uh, down. I learned to find somebody who's not scrubbed in and ask them to push them on my face or... One time I had the scrub tech take one of the take one of the ray techs and like push it on my face and throw that ray tech away. Well, that's so, what a circulating that nurse is for, right? So the circulators do a lot of stuff. So you say, can you just push my glasses up for me? And they, that's what they do. They well, push your glasses. Or you tape them to your right. forehead. Yeah, that would have been a good idea. I started tying them into my mask, so it was a little better. Made it but easier? It was, just, it was just one of those minor things that probably nobody remembers but me. <laughs> like, it's just, it's no, they all remember it. And they'll make fun of you when you're not there. <laughs> Just, just, to, just, to, just be paranoid. Be paranoid. That's there important. Was, there was one time. Uh, this was. I thought this was kind of funny. I, usually, the uh, the student helps to like move the patient back to their bed after like the residents leave, and I had left my phone in a surgery lounge. Just I had left it there because I was coming back to like move the patient. I was going to head right back there, and so I was like holding the patient. You know, they were moving the thing like the little slider underneath them, and then over the overhead, you know, they have this like intercom system for all the operating rooms, and I hear. Uh, Dr. Bakshi, please report to the circulatory desk. And the nurses were like, who the hell is Dr. Bakshi? And I was sitting there like, that's my last name. <laughs> like I, was, I didn't know why they were calling for me. I, they had just taken my, they had thought that is I had Is one of your cousins working there you didn't know about? <laughs> well, that's what I was like, there's another Bakshi here? But no, nobody knew who it was. And the nurses were all confused. And like even the resident was like, who the hell is this guy? And it was, just, I had to explain that, no, I, it's me. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> they had just found my, my phone and. Not yet. It was, yeah, it was just dumb. Well, <laughs> but well, you could have got another guest rotations had there been another Bakshi, and then you'd have realized you'd been at one of your other cousin's weddings six years ago, right? Right. <laughs> I've got to go to an Indian wedding someday. I hear they're a riot. Uh, okay, so what's been the worst experience of third year so far? Ooh, that's tough. The worst experience of third year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to think about this. I, I, I really can't stress how much fun third year is. Like you really get to do and, and see so much. You know, the worst experiences and, and they're not bad because of anything that happened. I think the worst is just like, you know, I was when I was on ICU, you know, we had a couple of patients that coded and mm-hmm. you know, as a med student, you're doing compressions, you know, you're you're in there. There was one um, where I was I was like the, the timer. So I had the thing on my phone and every two minutes I'd yell out pulse check and then, you know, push epi and like on, on the different, I had a little card with the ACLS guidelines and you know, it's that that's, it's definitely something you need to see as a medical student, um, as a future physician, but it's hard. The first time you see it, especially the, the bloody ones and, and the people that, you know, you're, you're breaking their ribs and, and you know, they need to get innovated and there's, there's just blood coming out of their mouth. And I mean, it's just, it's really gross. Um, the first time you see it is jarring for sure. But after that, I think that it gets pretty routine. So maybe the worst experience would be seeing that for the first time and kind of getting that exposure initially. But it's uh, it's something. It's really, I mean, trying to resuscitate a patient. I mean, it's it's really like it's chaotic, it's messy, um, it's it's violent, it's bloody. But you know, we we did get one. You know, out of the few codes I've seen, one of the patients was able to be resuscitated. So that was really something amazing to bring someone back from that. Uh, but yeah, I guess I guess the worst experience would have to be seeing that for the first time and just recognizing, you know, it's not like the little dummies that we get in the, you know, mm-hmm. in the training. Like it's it's just it's it's chaos. It's like controlled chaos in there. So 
Yeah, I'm glad to hear that you're using your checklist appropriately. I never ran a code where I didn't pull out an ACLS book and pull the algorithm up and actually read it verbatim. And then uh, always making sure that you ask the folks that are on your resuscitation team if you missed anything. That constant give and take, that's, uh, you know, checklist manifesto stuff, Atul Gawande talks about that. I was doing it long before Atul Gawande had the idea to make money off of writing the concepts out. But um, it's really good that you're doing that. And it is messy. But I always remind myself, uh, no matter how whacked out this looks to me, this is the worst day of their life. So uh, we're just going to work this problem until we fix it or until we can't work it anymore. Um, it is very different, isn't it, Sarg? I mean, it's the sterileness of a medical, uh, preclinical education dummies and models, it isn't quite the same, is it? Not at all. The weirdest thing, I think, with compressions is, like, you, you don't you don't realize how quickly their ribs break. Like, that's that's something I didn't... I mean, you're pushing on the dummy, and so it's, it's hard. You know, after probably like five minutes of compressions, it feels like you're pushing on jelly. And yep. that, that's just like the, the, the visceral sensation of it to me was just the, that was the gross part. <laughs> Some of that is, especially in older patients, is just calcified uh, cartilage between joints is what you're doing. You're not so much, ribs are really actually pretty hard to break. So, but yeah, it's still the thing, right? I mean, and in any way I try, we try to condition students about that. Just be prepared with high quality CPR. You will break ribs. You'll hear cracking and popping because you've got to, you know, <laughs> you've got to squeeze that heart between the spine and the sternum. And that's what you're trying to do. So it's, it's really tough. Well, that's a that's kind of a sad note, but we're going to go to the third segment and wrap this up. But 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 sure. but, but but since we're not video visually recording this, I can tell you that Nasarg is not sad or he's not crying. He's he actually is smiling. No, not at all. Yeah, and so we're going to end this thir- second segment, and we'll catch up with Sarg on the third segment of this this nice episode on what's it like to be a third year medical student and and the challenges that you face doing that. So we'll get you on the third segment on rotations. Rotations is the weekly podcast of all things medicine and science and is part of the media medicine family of medical storytelling. The opinions and comments expressed on Rotations do not reflect the official or unofficial positions of Ohio University, the Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine, or the Scripps College of Communication. The guests on Rotations are interviewed in an unopposed fashion so their ideas and opinions can be freely expressed. This episode of Rotations was produced by Todd Fredericks and hosted by Todd Fredericks. Rotations is co-hosted by a league of champions of all things medical and a few people we pull off the street. Rotations is copyrighted, and while we welcome citations, tweets, Facebook likes, and other endorsements by word of mouth and social media, we reserve the right to all content. You may use Rotations content under the provisions of Creative Commons. You cannot alter or edit the content in any manner without express permission of the content creators, and you must cite Rotations as the source of any content derived from the podcast. We welcome any comments, and you can contact us by emailing us at rotationspodcast at gmail.com, tweeting us at rotationspcast, or by visiting mediaandmedicine.com slash rotations. Check us out on Facebook at Media and Medicine.